on Friday, Shannon and I celebrated our anniversary, our 22nd wedding anniversary. Really stoked about that. And uh, we went to Oceanside to have a nice dinner on the beach. But on the way, we stopped by the mall to go to a place called So Relax. Anybody here heard of So Relax at the mall? A couple of you people. For those of you who don't know, um, it's this place in the mall, and you give them money to torture you with deep tissue massage. Massage. (laughs) Right. Now, um, this place is called So Relax. I was not relaxed. The place should be called So Relaxed After We're Done Stabbing You in the Back with Our Really Sharp Elbows. That is what it should be called. That would be more accurate. Listen, if I came up to you and I started stabbing you in the back really hard with a stick repeatedly, what would you do? Right? You'd want to knock me out. Because it hurts. And Shannon and I paid money to have so relaxed hurt us. And we'll probably go back. Why? Because of what we see. We see a significant difference between pain for no reason and pain with a purpose. We see the difference between a dummy with a stick and a trained, experienced therapist. We see the difference between being injured and being healed. And since we can see the difference, that determines whether we let that person continue hurting us, or we punch that person out. Here's the deal. Each of us has a lens through which we see ourselves and other people, the world, and God. And this lens affects how we relate to people, how we respond to the news, how how we spend our money. It affects the way we spend our time. And if we are going to change, if we are going to experience healing, if we are going to grow, then the lens needs to change. Now, we're starting a, a new series today in the book of Philippians. And and Philippians gives us a new lens. It gives us a Christian view of of reality. Now, now this little letter here, it's just four chapters. This letter to the Philippians is incredibly practical. I mean, it addresses three problems that, that we all face. Difficult circumstances, strained relationships, and unfulfilled longings. I mean, this little letter is incredibly practical, but also it's, it's profound. It's truly profound. And it doesn't deal with these problems that we all wrestle with in superficial ways, with just kind of tips and tricks and good advice. But it gives us a radical shift in perspective, totally changes the way we see and view everything. And to the extent that we look at life through this new lens, 
the dimensions of our world and, and the quality of our lives are radically changed and, and we will change and we will experience healing and we will grow from the inside out. That's why we're looking at Philippians. So let's start by looking at the most foundational message of Philippians. Now, one of the most obvious themes that we see in, in these four chapters is the words like, like uh, rejoice and joy and be, and be glad. I mean, those kind of phrases and words appear 17 times. So an obvious theme is joy. But more than that, um, what we see is this, and it's, it's in your handout, uh, the big idea that joy has nothing to do with our circumstances and has everything to do with the lens through which we look at our circumstances. And so more than joy, the most foundational theme is the all-sufficiency of Christ. What in the world does that mean? Well, it simply means that Jesus is enough. I mean, I... It doesn't matter what it is that you're facing right now, no matter how difficult your circumstances are, no matter how strained your relationships, no matter how painful your, your unfulfilled longings, Jesus is enough. He is our source of joy, not our circumstances. You know, it was the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, and his purpose is to get our attention and then to center our attention on Jesus Christ. He wants to make Christ the lens through which we see all of life, and it makes all the difference. And his method, one of his methods, is to use himself as an illustration of what it might look like to view our problems through the lens of Christ. See, Paul's dealing with the same things. I mean, Paul is in the middle of extremely difficult circumstances. He is locked up. He is in chains. He's facing possible execution. There are so-called preachers who are trying to stir up problems for him, and he's dealing with, with longings for completeness. So he's able to show us how this works in real life. This is not just theory that sounds good. He helps connect the dots, bring it down to earth where the rubber meets the road. Now, maybe you're thinking, this seems a little heady to me, maybe a little it, it advanced, you know, looking at life through the lens of, of Christ. I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian yet. I, I, I need something more basic. Well, I'm glad you're here, and I appreciate your concern. And I think this can still be helpful because when I say look at life through the lens of Christ, I mean thinking about who he is, what he's done, and what he's doing, and the difference it makes in life. That is basic. And the basics are critical. And we will never outgrow the basics. So today... We'll be doing an overview and an introduction to Philippians. And it's basically, the book is basically structured like this. Chapter 1, difficult circumstances. Chapter 2, strained relationships. Chapter 3, unfulfilled longings. And chapter 4, a summary and conclusion where he kind of goes over that again. Now, in chapter 1, we see, what we see is that the Apostle Paul gets us 
to look at our difficult circumstances through the lens of Christ. And when we look at our difficult circumstances through the lens of Christ, what is it that we see? Well, what we see is that our purpose in life is Christ. Christians in Philippi have difficult circumstances, including financial struggles. Anybody here struggling financially? Yeah. (laughs) And a whole other problems come along with that, right? Well, same with the Philippians. And and the the Apostle Paul says in chapter 1, verse 20, this, that it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is, is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Now, some of you, like the Philippians, are going through hard times. And maybe like them, uh, like the Philippians, it's a financial struggle. Maybe, maybe you've lost your job or, or you're struggling with work or struggling with school. Some of you have, have serious health problems or you have loved ones that are struggling with serious health problems and, and you're just grinding it out, going through hard times. And the result is that you lost your joy. I mean, your joy's been sucked right out of you by, by worry or discouragement, or frustration, or maybe even anger. Why? And, and what is it that it's going to take to change that? You know what? So often our go-to, our, our knee-jerk reaction, our, our primary uh, you know, go-to response is, you know what, once I get through this difficult circumstance or overcome this difficult circumstance, then I'll be fine. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll have joy. Paul says, no, your quality of life has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has everything to do with the lens through which you look at your circumstances. Your problem is not your problem. The problem that that you're thinking of right now, that you're struggling through right now, your problem, that problem is not your real problem. Your problem is how you see your problem. Let me put it this way. It all comes down to how you fill in the blank here. For me to live is what? I mean, if if someone were to evaluate your life or you were to do just a hard look at your life and and be as objective as you possibly can and, and, you know, you kind of base your decision on on what you think about most, what you prioritize, what you give time and and money to, how how would, honestly speaking, how would you fill fill that blank? And it might be good things. What is it for you? Well, maybe for some of you, it might be success at work. For others of you, it might be the perfect family. 
maybe for some of you, it's health. Or it might even be a good life, you know, on a boat. What is it for you? Maybe these images aren't what come to your mind, but there is something that comes to your mind that if I have this, then everything will be okay. If I have this, then my pain will go away. What is it? What comes to your mind? And it could be something good. It could be success in ministry. What is it? Here's what happens if anything other than Christ becomes most important to you, even if it's your ministry. When difficult times hit, and they always hit, hard times always hit, when difficult times hit, and what you treasure most is threatened, we'll, we'll be anxious if it's threatened. Or, or if it's blocked, we, we get angry. Or, or if, it's, if it's lost, it slips through our fingers, we become depressed, and we don't know who we are anymore, or what's next in life. I mean, I mean, nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah? But here's Paul. Look at his circumstances. He's in jail. He's in chains. With a chopping block down the hall. And what is the result for him? He's rejoicing. I mean, he's singing with joy. Is he crazy? How can he rejoice and sing with joy with all of these things that are just going horribly, horribly wrong? He's looking at life through the lens of Christ. He sees at the center of history that there is a cross, that God the Son became a man and took our punishment that, that we earned and gave us the record of his perfect life that he earned, and then he rose from the dead, conquering evil and death and eternal judgment, securing our place in the family of God forever. That's the lens through which he looks at his circumstances. And Paul says, look, if this good news is not true, if, this, if Jesus is not who he says that he is and is not doing what he says he's doing, then you know what? Let's just pack up and go home. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. But if this is true, it changes absolutely everything. And the only reasonable response, the only reasonable purpose for life is Christ. To live for his glory. To live so that others know him and grow in him. Paul says, you know what? It was great while I was out of prison. I'm not going to lie. That was, that was pretty good. But being in prison will not destroy my calling. It won't ruin my calling. In fact, not even death will ruin my calling. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain because death brings me into a fuller experience of my Lord and Savior. See, the Apostle Paul sees everything, in, in, even death, through the lens of Christ. And before I move on to the next one, I, I cannot help but remember um, spending some time in, in Africa. We spent a month there. And uh, we were helping a, a pastor who was moving his family from 
from uh, the urban city in Nairobi into the slum, the Kabira slum, one of the five largest slums in the world, built on a dump with open sewage, houses built out of sticks and mud from dirt that they got from the dump and rusty tin roofs. And we went in there to help him build a house for him and his family, and he had the biggest smile on his face. He was so happy. I mean, if you woke up and you, you were somehow forced to go live in the middle of the slum with open sewage and, and all kinds of sexual diseases, and, and it was in the middle, in the middle of a dump with walls built out of dirt from, from that dump, I mean, you would feel condemned. You would, you would feel sentenced, punished for, for, for a horrible life, and you're bringing your family into that? This guy had the biggest smile on his face to be moving into that dump with his family because it was advancing God's call on his life. And there is nothing greater than living a life of purpose for Christ. It changed my whole perspective. It wasn't punishment for him. It filled him with joy. Secondly, Paul calls us to look at your strained relationships through the lens of Christ. Can you think of someone in your life where the relationship is strained or maybe even broken? Who comes to your mind? Maybe it's several people. If we look at our strained relationships through the lens of Christ, what do we see? We see that our model for life is Christ. Christians in Philippi were experiencing strained relationships. They were experiencing serious divisions in the church. And Paul says in, in chapter 2, verse 3, he, he knows this and he wants to encourage the people uh, in the church and, 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 so, and to help correct them and give them a new way of, of seeing things. And he says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but... What did he do? God the Son made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You know, maybe you're feeling the pain of a, of a strained relationship. Or maybe there's some anger in you that's stirring up when you think of a particular person and it's just broken. The relationship's not what it should be. I, I, I want to encourage you to don't just sweep that under the rug. I, I want to encourage you to sit with that and pray for that person and pray for that relationship. It may be a boss. It may be somebody that you work with. It might be a spouse or, or a parent, a, a child, a, a family member. Who is it? 
Do you have a relationship that's messed up right now? A natural and understandable result is when you think of that person or see that person or you're in the company of that person, it just sucks the joy right out of you. Not just that, maybe you've kind of cut yourself off from people God would use to give you joy and them joy. Well, why do we do that? Well, here's why we do that. We usually look at our relationships through the lens of self. We usually look at people through the lens of what do we want? What can they do for me? And so when they don't live up to our expectations, (laughs) what do we do? I mean, it messes everything up. Why does it mess everything up? Two reasons. Pride and insecurity. When people don't live up to our expectations, our pride leads to anger. And so we say, you know what? I don't need you. And our insecurity leads to fear like, no, I can't live without you. I'll be destroyed without you. I'll do anything uh, to, to keep you, even things that I think aren't right or healthy or good or righteous. But here's Paul. I mean, he's in chains because of his faith. And some so-called Christian preachers are trying to stir up trouble for Paul and undermine him. And, and, and they're trying to twist his message and undermine his ministry. And, and what's the result for the Apostle Paul when people are talking smack about him and, and twisting his words and, and, and trying to destroy his reputation? Is he filled with bitterness? Is, 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 does he have a critical spirit? Does he, does he just kind of attack, attack them? Does he get just angry and revengeful? No. He speaks the truth in love. He doesn't overlook the problem. He doesn't just sweep it under the rug, but he addresses it with humility. He addresses it with grace. Why? How in the world could he do that? Well, he's looking at his relationships through the lens of Christ rather than through the lens of self. And what's he see when he does that? He sees the cross. Jesus, when we look at the cross, what we see is that Jesus set aside his own needs. Jesus set aside his own interests, and he put our needs first. Only the gospel can replace our pride. Only the gospel can replace our pride with humility. And why? Because the gospel tells us that we are so sinful that it took nothing less than the death of God the Son to save us. But the gospel doesn't just give us humility. With that humility, God also gives us unshakable security. And and because the gospel tells us that that we are so loved by God the Son that he died for us. The creator of the universe died for us. What would your life look like if you believed that? Not just some theory that you talk about in church, but if you believe that, it would change how the way you respond and relate to people drastically. Third, 
Paul calls us to look at our unfulfilled longings through the lens of Christ. Anything, anything come to mind when you think about something that you're longing for? Something that, that you know would be right and good, but it's just not happening? What comes to mind? Well, Paul is encouraging us to look at that through the lens of the gospel. And if we look at our unfulfilled longings through the lens of, of Christ, what is it that you see? What we see is that our source of life, our very source of life is Christ. See, the, the Christians in Philippi were, were struggling with, with unfulfilled longings. And, and some commentators say that that, that is the root, the root of all other problems. They became Christians and, and then problems began. You know, you, you're going along, you're trying to be a good Christian and then something falls apart. Something may be really important and good. And you're left with thinking, you know what, where's God when you need him? Where are the, where are the blessings? Where's this abundant life? In fact, we may even be tempted to chuck this whole Christianity thing. And, and we can respond in, in, in different ways. We pull away. We isolate ourselves. Or we, we dive into partying as a, as, a, as a way to escape, just to dull the pain. Or we even dive into to religion as a way of, of Getting these blessings, I'll just work harder to get what I really want. And Paul says, no. Dive into the gospel. L look at your unfulfilled longings, even if they are good. Uh, I mean, especially if they're good. Look at them through the lens of Christ. Paul says in, in uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, he says this. Indeed. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, even good things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And then skip to verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Man. You know, Paul knows. We all, we all long for completeness. He knows we long for things to be right. Perfect, whole. And you know what? When we long for those things, what we're really looking for is strength, security, and significance. And when we long for strength, 
you know, we want to be capable, competent people when, when we long to achieve and, and accomplish and, and create things that are, that are beautiful, meaning, and, and, and useful. I mean, we're looking for strength there. When we long for security, what, we, what we're longing for is we, we long to last and, and, and for the people and the things that we value to last. We, we long to be free from the fear um, that, that who we value and what we value could be lost. And when we long for significance, we, we long to be people of, of value and worth. You know, just as we are, we, we long for someone whose opinion that, that we respect to know everything about us, all of our flaws and all of our sin, and for them to be determined to love us anyway. We long for that. But what do we experience? Our strength is stolen by sickness and age and death. And our security is violated what we love and value are taken away through accidents or violence or disease or whatever else. And then we look at ourselves and we feel not just insignificant but, but worthless and unlovable. And the result can be a crisis in faith. And you thought it was just you. So many people go through this. Why? Because it's so easy for any of us to look at our unfulfilled longings through the lens of here and now. We rarely even think about eternity with our loving the Heavenly Father in the presence of Jesus who lived for us and died for us. We just think about here and now. And if God's not going to come through, then I'm going to do things my way. And it blows up in our face. Paul calls us to look through the lens of Christ with him. And when we look through the lens of Christ with him, what do we see? We see the surpassing greatness of Jesus. And we say with Paul, I want to know Christ. I am longing for Christ and for that to be more real to me. In Christ, you know what? In Christ, we are complete now. I am convicted by how often I don't look at myself through the lens of Christ. And if Paul admits, I have not attained all this, then if, I mean, if he says that, I mean, we definitely need to ask God to show us how we haven't either. And then we have the hope of the gospel that says, in Christ, we are complete now because Christ clothes us in his righteousness and he calls us to grow in, in becoming more of who we already are in Christ. And he gives us the hope in verse 6 that says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. Trust that this morning. 
no matter what it is that's going through you, trust that the Spirit of Christ is with you here and now. And trust that one day he will return in all of his glory and he will be in we will all be with him forever. There is more to this life than just the here and now. Each of us looks at life through a lens, and that lens affects everything about us. And if we are to change, if we are going to experience spiritual healing, if we are to grow, we must first, we must first have a change in our lens. And Paul's letter to the Philippians calls us and enables us to put on a new lens, a lens that will just drastically uh, expand the dimension and the quality of, of our lives and even how we view and understand the quality of our life. It's defined by who Jesus is and what he's done in his kingdom. And my prayer for us as a church is that through this series, we will change. And that we will experience healing. And that we will grow as we put on the lens of Christ and trust him. Amen? Just bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that you have a perfect view of reality. And you are so patient with us. When our, when our view of reality is, is distorted. So often we look at our circumstances, our relationships, um, we, we, our, our unfulfilled longings through the lens of self, through the lens of uh, what we think that we need. And, and we have our minds made up that we know what is better for us than you do. Thank you that you call us to find sufficiency in Christ who is all-sufficient, that he is enough, that it is the best thing for us and the only thing that will get us through our difficult circumstances and, and uh, heal broken relationships and to enable us to persevere and wait on the Lord through unfulfilled longings. God, forgive us for the times when we make even good things the thing that we need to be secure, to have joy or significance. God, I pray that, that your kindness would lead us to repentance, that, that your grace would give us the the courage to confess our sin, to confess our idolatry, our idolatry of putting other things before you. And even for the times when, when we sit in judgment of you, because we think if, if you would do things just a certain way, then everything would be okay. God, I pray that... that um, you, you would enable every single person sitting in this room right now, that you would enable them to focus on the words that, that uh, we just heard, that your Holy Spirit would convict us, lovingly and graciously convict us 
uh, of our sin, knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And God, I pray, Lord, that especially for when it comes to the sin in our lives that we have just accepted, that we have decided is okay, even though it's destroying our soul. Enable us to confess that sin and, and repent of it, not just from turning from bad works to good works, but, but, but to turn to the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Build our faith in you this morning. And if anybody doesn't know you this morning, has not trusted you this morning, I pray that you would give them the courage to trust you, to follow you, to put their faith in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. We pray these things in your name.